the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program, old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. Uh, my guest this hour has been on the show uh, multiple times talking about uh, his Hidden History series. He is a uh, progressive, national, and internationally syndicated talk show host, but the author of uh, more than 30 books. He is a New York Times bestseller. I mentioned the Hidden History series, and we've talked about uh, several of his uh, books in the history uh, series. Anyway, I'm talking, of course, about Tom Hartman, who joins me now by phone. Tom, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Tom. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. Um, let's talk about the, the Hidden History series, because it seems like you come out with these things practically monthly. Well, it's, we're trying to do two a year. They're, they're relatively small books. They're you know, twenty-five to 35,000-word books, so it's a book you can read in a weekend or you know, a long day if you've got the time. Right. Um, and and, and, uh, and they're therefore a little easier to write. But, yeah, I try. And I, and I you know, it's, it's really nice not having a publisher say, hey, can you add an extra 100 and trying to figure out how to pad a damn book? I mean, this is just the meat <laughs> of the issue right here. Um, and, and the issue um, in this particular one, the hidden history of American oligarchy now we've done the war on voting we've done the supreme court uh what was the, the last one i think we did was monopoly what's what's different mm -hmm. between the hidden history of monopolies and the hidden history of american oligarchy well that's a great question tom because uh, the oligarchy book in my mind was the not the natural logical progression beyond the the monopoly book a monopoly is when a small number of actors in a marketplace achieve near dominance of the marketplace. Uh, they basically control the marketplace and they control the wealth of the marketplace. Um, an oligarchy is when a small number of actors achieve the majority of political power and they control the political world. And we refer to those people as oligarchs and we refer to that form of government as an oligarchy, it's it's sort of like a monarchy. I mean, monarchy is a form of oligarchy, except that there's typically a hereditary person in charge, rather than you know a collection of very wealthy people. But you know, since since the Reagan Revolution, we have been moving steadily and with increasing speed over the last few decades toward oligarchy in the United States. And if we don't stop that move that direction, if we don't if we don't get back to democracy, which is where our government does what the majority of the people want rather than what the majority of the oligarchs want, we're going to be in big trouble. You know, in the in the book, you, you sort of track the, uh, obviously, the hidden history of American oligarchy going back to um, before the, the Civil War and um, up to and hinting at a new Civil War. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but... My my question, Tom, is do you think that there is a natural tendency for this oligarchy to to grow and, and to continue to grow and accelerate its growth? Because John Q. Public is, I, I, I don't want to throw him under the bus by saying uh, asleep at the wheel, but just going about his business and doesn't really care about power and influence. I think that uh, to a large extent, the 
the horrors of oligarchy are essentially concealed by by the uh, by just the daily grind, as you point out. And I mean, you know and, what I mean. Well, I I know so many people that that couldn't tell you who their congressman was. Right. Exactly. And 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 perhaps more importantly, don't understand how wealthy people can control politics. And and you know that's that's or is that they should yeah, and those are those are things that, that we need to change. But um, it, it it really has to do with the rules of the game. You know, I don't think anybody would be interested if the NFL was to say, you know, we've got too many regulations. Uh, we're going to just start randomly cutting regulations. And so, you know, if you if you're running by somebody and you punch them in the stomach, that's fine. If you want to pull their face mask off, that, no problem. We'll let that now. Um, uh, you know, if, if a team wants to give the league an extra million bucks, uh, you know, we'll let you, we'll let you kick a, 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 a field goal from, you know, 20 feet closer to the, to the, <laughs> to the end zone. Yeah. Um, at that point, people would look at that and say, you know, this game isn't even fun to watch anymore because it's not fair. Well, that's what's happened with our politics and the principal player in creating an unfair uh, 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 marketplace for politics, as it were, an unfair political game, has been the U.S. Supreme Court, which is why I wrote that book, The Hidden History of the Supreme Court, back, you know, a year and a half ago. And, uh, you know, which lays out more broadly all the that the Supreme Court has foisted upon us. But oligarchy is probably the worst of them. In 1976, prior to 1976, if an individual billionaire or a, a large corporation contributed so much money to one politician that they essentially owned that politician, that that politician would not be in office without that one oligarch or that one corporation. And that one politician regularly sponsored or voted for legislation that promoted the interests of that corporation or billionaire. We called that bribery or political corruption, and we tended to purge those people out of our political system. Lewis Powell in 1971, in his famous Powell memo, uh, basically said we need to uh, we need to change this. We need to allow wealthy people and big corporations to become politically active. Uh, we need to change the rules, the laws, and then at the same time we need to do everything we can within the law to become politically active. We need to you know wealthy people need to start buying radio stations, television stations, networks, uh, newspaper chains in particular. We need to uh, go into the into the universities and and sponsor. Uh, right wingers in their schools of uh, law and of um, uh, uh, political science and and philosophy and 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 that sort of thing. We need to uh, seize control of the courts and, and get as many right wingers in the courts as we can. He published that in '71, and that led straight to the creation of the Federalist Society, the Heritage Foundation, the the Cato Institute, all these other you know Alec, all these other think tanks and political action, the State Policy Network. Um, all this stuff funded in large part by the Koch network, but, but, you know, other billionaires as well and other foundations as well. And, and in, in 1976, the Supreme Court now with Lewis Powell on it, Nixon put him on the court in 72, the year after he wrote the memo. Um, the Supreme Court in 1976 said in a case called Buckley versus Vallejo, that if an individual billionaire wants to own a politician in a way that historically had been called bribery and corruption, that is no longer bribery or corruption. We are officially saying that the money that that billionaire is giving that politician is not money anymore. It is speech. 
and speech is protected under the First Amendment. It is their free speech. And so uh, billionaires can give as much money as, to politicians as they want. There are still some limits on how many politicians they can own. They blew that up, by the way, with the McCutcheon decision in 2013. Um, now it's unlimited. Uh, but they said billionaires can own politicians. And then two years later, in, in a case that Lewis Powell actually authored, um, called First National Bank versus Bellotti, the Supreme Court said, oh, and by the way, we're going to extend that to corporations as well. And that opened a floodgate of money for the Republican Party. It just poured in that, you know, helped carry Ronald Reagan into the White House in 1981. And it's been downhill ever since then. <laughs> Frankly, they doubled down on the Citizens United decision in 2010 and, and went so, so much farther that they even, you know, uh, banned the Tillman Act, which uh, had been passed by Teddy Roosevelt in 1907 that made it a federal felony to give money to for corporations to give money to political campaigns. So uh, yeah, we're because now corporations are now. people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and wonderful. Yeah. Well, it's it's um, if they if they just acted a little more like people, it would be better. Um, the the question then becomes, how do we undo it? How do we put the tooth? paste back in the tube a lot of the answer to that is found in hr1 the first piece of legislation that uh, nancy pelosi intends to get out of the house of representatives and senate bill one in the in the senate uh which would clean up a lot of this and it would and do it in ways that get around the supreme court decisions and uh i mean it's a it's a, a, some really great good government legislation problem is they can't pass that by reconciliation, which means it'll be subject to a Republican filibuster and almost certainly will be blocked. And uh, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Democrat of West Virginia, Kirsten Sinema, Democrat of Arizona, uh, have both gone on the records. They want uh, Mitch McConnell to continue to have the filibusters so that he can mess with uh, Democratic votes, sadly. More with syndicated progressive talk show host and author Tom Hartman straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination. 
freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. Take it away. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More with syndicated progressive talk show host and author Tom Hartman straight ahead. Well, but when Democrats are messing with Republican votes, the filibuster is considered uh, an important ally of the minority. Yeah, and it shouldn't be. It just shouldn't be. I mean, you, we either we either believe in democracy or we don't. The fundamental tenet of democracy is that majority rules, and that's how the Constitution was written. The filibuster is not in the Constitution. The filibuster came in the 1830s when John C. Vice President of John Quincy Adams and Andrew Jackson, the only two to ever resign vice presidencies, resigned his vice presidency and was appointed to fill a vacant seat as the senator from South Carolina. And as the senator from South Carolina, he led this charge in the United States Senate to forbid any discussion of, of uh, abolition or slavery. And out of that came the filibuster. 
The House actually passed a law forbidding, or a House rule, forbidding the discussion of slavery on the floor of the House. And in response to that, John Quincy Adams, who had been president, ran for the House of Representatives in Massachusetts and became a a member of the House, specifically so that every single day the House was in session, John Quincy Adams went on the floor of the House and said, I... You're dropping out, Tom. Can you hear me now? I I can hear you now. What did Adams say? Uh, John Quincy Adams, he he went onto the floor of the the House every single day and said, I oppose slavery. We need to abolish slavery in violation of the rules. He was repeatedly punished for it. But while Adams was doing that, but the, but the House had had basically passed, you know, passed a rule saying you can't discuss slavery. That stood, by the way, until 1864, uh, and uh, or 1865, excuse me. And the Senate passed the filibuster, which gave the Southern senators the power to block any kind of legislation, or actually does is it blocks debate, prevents you know, which is the same thing as the House rule, basically. You know, it, it, it prevents them from, you know, what's called a motion to proceed, um, to proceed with debate. And the filibuster was used exclusively from 1830 until the early 1920s. It was used exclusive, exclusively to block any kind of legislation that would have to do with any civil rights. And it was used largely, like over 90% of the time, from the 1930s until the 1980s, against civil rights legislation. And it was only in the 1980s with the Reagan revolution that Republicans started using the filibuster to block legislation that would have you know, enhanced the interests of average people and, and, uh, and stopped the interests of billionaires, and that the Democratic Party started using the filibuster to try to block you know, deregulation and tax cuts for billionaires. Um, and that's and out of that came this uh, kind of middle ground of reconciliation. That would that, you know the the that that's a, a a change in Senate rules that was made in the late seventies, as I recall, maybe even the mid seventies. In fact, I think Nixon it was during the Nixon administration, so it must have been seventy four, and uh, toward the end of the Nixon administration, in fact, um, he signed a reform act that that uh, that you know put reconciliation in so that you could get around a filibuster you could only do it once a year and the bill had to have something to do with the budget and because changing you know money in politics has nothing to do with the budget it will be subject to the filibuster which is unfortunate and and so while uh, hr1 might clear the house sb1 has no chance we'll see I mean, you know, it, there are some who are suggesting, and I'm I'm not quite there, but there are some who are suggesting that if a good piece of legislation can make its way to the floor of the House and the or the Senate rather after having passed the House, and the and the Republicans filibuster it, that will be the rallying cry that will be enough to force uh, Cinema and and Mansion and there may be a few other Democrats who are pro filibuster that will force them to go along with uh, Chuck Schumer's effort to end the filibuster. Um, I'm very hopeful that that happens. It would require considerable political theater, which Republicans are very good at and Democrats are demonstrably incompetent at. And uh, so we'll just have to wait and see. But I, I am encouraging all of my listeners and, uh, and, and, and in my writings as well um, to call the Senate switchboard at 202-224-3121 
and tell their two senators that they need to, and also to call Cinema and Mansion, and and tell them that we need to blow up the filibuster. It's anti-democratic. It, it's it's uh, well over ninety-five percent of the time. If you look at the entire history of the filibuster, it is used exclusively to maintain racial segregation, and uh, it's time for it to go. But that still leaves us in a position, um, don't you think, that um, we're going to end up with decisions being made by 50% plus one? Yeah, that's what democracy calls for. But as divided as... We either believe in democracy or we don't. But as divided as the country is, um, doesn't that ultimately lead to the people that didn't have the plus one um, losing their civility? Well, number one, the Democrats in the United States Senate represent 41 million more Americans than the Republicans do. And number two, as Ronald Reagan famously said, elections have consequences. And he said that in response to Democrats who were complaining that he was pushing legislation through you know, with no Democratic votes. So, yeah, we've been there before over and over and over again. This is essentially what Mitch McConnell said to to, uh, Barack Obama when President Obama wanted Merrick Garland to be his nominee to the Supreme Court. Sorry, you didn't win control of the Senate. Screw you. Well, and and he, I think, famously said very soon after Barack Obama was elected that he thought the uh, Republicans in the Senate should make it their their uh, primary mission to ensure that uh, Barack Obama would not be successful. Right. It it makes me insane that when when Republicans are in charge, it's, hey, get over it, snowflake, elections have consequences. When Democrats are in charge, it's, what happened to unity and bipartisanship? (laughs) I I am just so over this BS from from the GOP. I'm just over it. Is the GOP about to go through um, a a significant change? They must. I mean, they they are in a position right now where uh, you've got basically two factions in the Republican Party, um, the business faction and the fascist-slash-racist faction. And the business faction, knowing that you can't really win elections by saying we're just here for rich people and billionaires and, and big corporations um, made a deal with the devil. You know, they, the Nixon Southern strategy, bring in the racists. That was, you know, his whole, that's how he got elected in 68. Um, and, uh, and then uh, Reagan's strategy. Oh, let's also bring in the homophobes. You know, he refused to even say the word AIDS for eight years as, as an epidemic was killing people. Um, and, 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 to welcome in the racists and then bush's strategy let's bring in the gun nuts and the people who are uh, you know racist not just against black people but against hispanic people as well and uh, you know and, and let's double down on misogyny uh, and use abortion as the as the uh, rallying cry to do that and so they've brought together this coalition basically of haters and people who are fearful and uh, fearful of the others, you know, as it, as it were, and and added to it, you know, the gun nuts and the anti-abortion freaks and whatnot, and you know, within that coalition, particularly in the racist base of that coalition that Nixon brought into the GOP at '68, are a fair number of fascists, 
just open Nazis. And now they're getting elected to political office, and they are forming the, Demo- the Republican base. And the old-fashioned Republicans, the Eisenhower Republicans, the you know my dad's Republican Party. Uh, yeah, mine, Repu- mine too, Tom. Yeah, like you know Adam Kinzinger, I think is his name. You know the Republican from Illinois who's speaking out against Trump now, voted for his impeachment in the House. Um, you know they're they're right out saying you know if we don't purge the racists and fascists from our party, we're screwed. And uh, the Republican Party is facing a reckoning right now. And uh, the way, the direction they go, if they choose to go full fascist and they put up a fascist like Josh Hawley for president in 2024 and they can pull and they pull it off, the American experiment is over. If, on the other hand, the Republican Party decides to go back to their pro-business, pro-billionaire roots and purges their party of the of the of the fascists and gets the racist under control then perhaps the American experiment can continue. Does hearing um, Mitch McConnell uh, talk about uh, uh, the inappropriateness of Trump's comments uh, on January 6th uh, before the uh, breach of the Capitol and his condemnation recently of Congresswoman Green give you any hope that the leadership of the Republicans might try to steer it in the right direction? Well, he's the leader of the Senate Republicans. In the House, you've got uh, Kevin McCarthy, who is not the brightest bulb in the tree and uh, has a long history of flirting with fascists and racists. And his number two guy, Steve Scalise, ran for election successfully in Louisiana when he first ran for the House by saying that he was David Duke without the hood. And uh, and he is. And so, you know, I, the the fascist racist coalition is very, very powerful in the House, you know, represented famously by people like Jim Jordan and Matt Gates, And uh, and before that, Mark Meadows, who became Trump's chief of staff um, and 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 Kevin McCarthy. So we'll see. <laughs> Tom, we'll see. Well, I, I, I want to get back because, and, and this happens to us all the time, Tom, because we enjoy talking about these things. Um, I, I was asking about how we reverse the trend of American oligarchy. And, and we talked about the legislation that was pending and may not um, come about as, as much as uh, one might like. Um are there other ways, or is is that the last hope, as they say in Star Wars? Uh, no, there are there are a number of other ways that we can we can uh, try to pull back from this. But the, the essential cancer that has infected our body politic is money, um, and, and and like I said, the Supreme Court established that they set that up, uh, you know, dancing to Lewis Powell's tune. And until that uh, cancer is cut out, um, you know, what we're doing right now is, is around the edges. We're, we're trying to get the metastases, you know, the, the branches that grew off the main cancer and have popped up here and there, and we're swatting them down sometimes at the state level, um, you know, sometimes at the federal level. Um, but we need, to, we need to have a serious uh, bit of uh, cancer surgery here to, to torture the metaphor. 
and uh, get money out of politics in America. Was, um, and and this is a, maybe, a, I don't know if this is off topic or not, Tom, but um, I haven't talked to you about voting since we had the, the uh, recent election, and there was a huge turnout um, as, as a result, I, I believe, of the increased mail-in voting. Um, I, and I think there was heightened interest in the, in the election as well. But because of COVID-19, a lot more people voted by mail than ever did before. And voter turnout was uh, fairly high. Um, I've always thought that, that voters could have a tremendous impact if they participated. That's, that's one part of it. But technology is also another part that I keep hoping will offset the money in politics. That, that somehow communications between regular folk and, and greater participation in voting might stack up against the dollars. But I'm not sure if either of those things is working. What are your yeah. thoughts? I'm not sure if either of those things are working either. The problem with the communication among regular folks is that so much of it now takes place on platforms that are run by billionaires like Mark Zuckerberg and and are run in a way using algorithms that are designed not to uh, facilitate reasonable conversation but to actually promote extremism and and to you keep know, highly... people engaged and and exactly. seeing the ads exactly and 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 not just seeing the ads to extract as much information as possible from all of this as well and, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the bad news of it. And, and with regard to voting, now you've got several hundred pieces of legislation that have been introduced in, in very, in almost all in red and purple states, but there's some in blue states as well, although it has, they have less likelihood of passing to make it harder to vote. You know, the New York Times did a big piece on this a couple of days ago, you know, uh, uh, there's massive democratic turnout in the last election. Republicans are working to make it harder to vote. And so you've got states that want to say you can't have a mail-in ballot unless you have a doctor's slip. Or if you're going to do a mail-in ballot, you have to take it to the bank and have it certified by a, by a uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, notary public, and, uh, you know, in order to get your vote cast. And you have to send another state has a rule that says you have to photocopy two kinds of ID and mail it in along with your ballot. And, you know, how many people have a photocopy machine in their house? Um, it, it, it's just crazy. And the Republicans know, and they've known this since 1980. I mean, that was when Paul Weyrich made his famous speech in Dallas, where he said, you know, uh, you know, I don't want everybody to vote. The elections have never been won by a majority of people. And then, you know, in the, in, in the past, and they won't, and they never, never will be. In fact, he said, uh, our leverage in the elections quite candidly goes up as the voting populace goes down. And that has been their, their, the song they've been singing ever since. I mean, that was back in the 60s when, when or back in, prior to that in the 60s, that was when uh, Rehnquist made his chops. You know, he started his political, the beginning of uh, William Rehnquist's political career, the guy who, he's now passed away, but he was the last Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. The way he started his political career, he was a big bear of a man. He was like 6'3", you know, well over 200 pounds. 
was standing outside voting areas. He lived in Phoenix, standing outside voting areas in Native American and Hispanic communities and loudly challenging the right to vote of anybody who came up with, with skin browner than his. And, uh, you know, that set him on the course all the way to the top of the Supreme Court. Uh, it, the, if you can't get, if you can't win with your ideas, you win by controlling who can vote. And that's what the Republicans have been doing for years. That's why the, the last book or, or I don't recall if it was the last book, but the next to the last book in the series was The Hidden History of the War on Voting. It's the whole history of that, including Rehnquist. We don't, um, unfortunately, Tom, we don't have time to go through all of the uh, steps in, in Part 6 um, about restoring democracy, talking about a free press and economic rights for everybody. Um, one of my favorites, tax the crap out of the uh, rich. Um, prosecute Trump and his henchmen under the Hatch Act, um, and and several others. After the events of January sixth and the breach of of the Capitol, um, and and we know that a lot of people have been ginned up either by the president and his allies, um, but also this this social media that sort of encourages it. Um, that. There's a lot of anger and and rancor among people that feel disenfranchised, or they're just grumpy to begin with. Um, Because things were so close between Trump and Biden, and they weren't close by election standards, but when you consider that almost half of Americans voted for Trump, even after his many shenanigans are are we by any chance on the verge of an actual civil war i don't think so civil wars typically happen when there's a power vacuum in a government when a government can no longer use its police powers to maintain order and uh i i think the police powers of the united states are now intact again i think we were moving in that direction under trump as he was gutting the justice department and 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 gutting the entire federal government but i i don't think that a uh, an all-out civil war as much as the boogaloo boys want it um that i don't see that as the thing that's coming what what i think is more likely is a if you want to look at the negative possible futures is a, uh, a fascist takeover of the United States. And that would come from within the Republican Party through the electoral process, at least initially. had Well, much uh, the same way it did in Germany. Exactly. And and Poland, and uh, currently, contemporarily. <laughs> and, 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 and Hungary, yeah, and the Philippines, and Brazil, and, I mean, you know, it's, uh, as Chile in the night. Well, in Chile, that was a military coup, but... Um, yes, yes. Well, Tom, unfortunately, we're we're just about out of time. I I feel like we could talk about these things for hours, but uh, probably just as well that we leave people wanting more so that they turn to the book, The Hidden History of American Oligarchy, Reclaiming Our Democracy from the Ruling Class by my guest Tom Hartman, who is um, a... Uh, syndicated progressive talk show host uh, recognized nationally and internationally and he's been on the show several times and i hope you'll come back tom and we'll talk more when the next book comes out tom i always enjoy speaking with you thank you so much for having me on your program 
great. Take care. Yeah, you too. That was, uh, as I mentioned, Tom Hartman. He is uh, the author of a new book. He is a New York Times bestselling author, by the way. Um, and the book, once again, is The Hidden History of American Oligarchy. It's part of a series called The Hidden History. And uh, this one, Reclaiming Our Democracy from the Ruling Class. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. <laughs> comes along that's spreading like a plague and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague. Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell. There is a Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docs were busy overseas with World War One. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. From the Tom Sumner Show. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services.
The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dance, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not, is a major factor in dancing like a retard, may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them, also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people, and it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! From the Tom This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I'll tell you a story about my boss, Sheldon Leonard. Sheldon Leonard, uh, this, is a, this is a true story. Sheldon Leonard is a man that hired me for high spy. He brought me up to his office. He said, I want you to be a spy. I said, okay. So we signed a contract, and the series was on. was a hit. I don't complicate anything, man. <laughs> so, uh, Sheldon was married a long time ago, probably before there was hair. <laughs> he's an old bugger. He's, a, he's really old, Duke. And uh, he took his wife on a honeymoon up to Niagara Falls, and this was when Niagara Falls was brand new. Yeah. <laughs> They didn't even give you a raincoat or nothing, you know. You just stood there, you got wet, and you came down, you smiled at each other, you know. And he said, he tells this story. 
He said it was very cold that day, but the following morning, the sun came out and it shone brightly. And the temperature went up to 99. So I said to my bride, bride, why don't we take a little dip in the wonderful lake? And his bride looked at us, yes, shall. Yeah, they talk a lot. I believe we should. And he did. Went forth, put on his bathing suit, his beautiful body, which has since gone bad on him. <laughs> and he went stepping with his little 4'11 wife. Frankie's beautiful. She's just 4'11. She's built like regular little wife. <laughs> and he went walking, got to the edge of the lake, and it was 99 out. And he said, My dear, I believe I should take a plunge. That's the way they used to talk in the old days, you know. They, you had to tell your wife everything you were going to do, you know, even if she was standing there looking at you, you know. My dear, I believe I will walk to this board. Do it, do it. She said, are you with me? She said, yes, Sheldon, I'm with you. And he went up, and he hit the diving board. <laughs> and he did soar into the air. Up, up, up. Forming... A great swan dive. Yes. <laughs> now, we will pause a second. Leave our hero stranded in the air. We'll hold him. Don't worry about it. He won't drop. He's still up there. And we will say, he is about to plunge into a what? Lake. Uh-huh. And how do you get lake water? Well, usually what happens is the water runs down from the mountain. Yes, and how do you get it? Maybe the snow will melt. Right. Does it ever really get hot? No. And so he is about to dive into what? Twelve degrees. Now we pick up our hero at the peak of his swan. And he is now descending and he's coming down and boosh, he hit the water. And immediately he said, my body turned into a giant goose pimple. And as I submerged, my eyes would not close because they too wanted to know what had hit them. My body began to drop into a ball. I touched bottom, thank goodness, and pushed up. And as my head broke through the water, I was facing my wife about 30 feet away from her. And she stood there smiling. And I said to myself, why should I tell her? <laughs> so I gathered every inch, every muscle, and I smiled. And I said to her, come on in, dear. The water's fine. And she hit the board. And made a great swan. And when she came down, the tips of her fingers touched the water. And she made one of the greatest hand walks across the lake any man has ever seen. And stood on the other side and yelled great obscenities to me. Let's go. 
this was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Alexander Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 